You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 58th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today I want to talk with you about a concept I've developed called the Diversity Stairway. This started as something I wrote about in my book, Secrets of Happy Couples, as I was talking about what often happens as a couple tries to work out their differences. Then I realized it's equally applicable in diversity work. The idea is there are four steps to climb. You don't have to climb any of them. The choice is yours, and it depends on what's most important to you. When I'm dealing with couples, the question is often, what's more important, your relationship or being right? When the answer is being right, the relationship is truly in trouble. In diversity work, a lot of times people are invested in being right because all of the arbitrary differences we assign people because of their religion, skin color, hair color, gender, sexual identification, sexual behavior, or any number of areas of variation and difference, we are often highly invested in being right. Singularly, it's that need to protect the beliefs and values we already have that's the roadblock to people coming together because of their similarities rather than being polarized because of their differences. The first thing that needs to happen is that people involved need to shift from self-righteousness to curiosity. I work to create that curiosity by focusing on how faulty and varied perceptions can be. Have you ever been in a meeting or watched a movie with people you know, only to learn you can't agree on the purpose or plot of either one? It's like you weren't even in the same meeting or movie theater. Why does that happen? Do you think the other person is gaslighting you? Are they lying? Or do you immediately assume you must be wrong and maybe weren't paying attention? The truth is, it's possible and even likely that two people can experience the same situation and come away with totally different perceptions. How does that happen? We take information through our five senses. That can be the first point of disparity. Not all senses are created equal. I know if I'm not wearing my contact lenses, I have trouble seeing anything from a distance. Some people's hearing has been compromised. I might be looking east, and you see something happening in the west that I completely miss. Our senses and focus can create different perceptions. Do you remember that recording of Yanni and Laurel? If not, a recording has been made, and when played, some people hear Laurel and others hear Yanni. In the explanation of this occurrence, it's suggested that age can have something to do with the way we hear certain sounds. How about that blue and black dress that caused such an uproar on social media several years ago? Was that dress blue and black or was it white and gold? The people who saw white and gold would fight to the death they were the colors, but the dress was truly blue and black. How did that happen? Something to do with the person's optic nerve and the lighting on the dress. Crazy, huh? This is just the beginning of perception. Have you watched the video of people playing basketball? The announcer asks you to count how many times the players in white pass the ball to one another. Being a compliant student, you concentrate hard on counting the passes. When the video concludes, you may have the right answer or not. But then the announcer says, the correct number was 16, but did you spot the gorilla? 
But really, you say, where? So the video rewinds and you watch again, paying no attention to the passes this time, and there he is, a person dressed in a gorilla costume that walks onto the court in the middle of the players, pounds his chest, and walks off the other side of the court. How did you miss it? Focus. You were focused on the passes. You didn't see anything else. However, if you had seen the video before, you likely did spot the gorilla. So the announcer then says, Did you see the curtain change color and the player in black leave the court? Gotcha. You probably didn't see that because you were anticipating the gorilla. If you haven't seen this video, you can find it on YouTube under the title, The Monkey Business Solution. That leads to the next element that affects perception, prior knowledge. People who knew about the gorilla saw it, while those who didn't have the prior knowledge didn't see the gorilla. Can you see how this might change perception? Having information about a situation ahead of time can change how you see it. If you're good at solving a Rubik's Cube, you would have a pleasurable time if you saw one at a party. You would likely move toward it, pick it up, and solve it. Someone without prior experience might avoid it for a variety of reasons. After leaving the party, if you stayed away from the Rubik's Cube, you would likely have had a very different party experience than your friend who spent the whole time with the cube. In the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion, I know a woman who lives in Brooklyn and has been mugged three times, each time by an African-American male. I live in Chicago, and I have several male African-American friends and have never been mugged. If she and I are out together and encounter black men in the street, she will have quite a different perception of that situation than I will. The next thing that colors our perceptions are our values and how we order them. This has been particularly true in United States politics recently. Depending on what your values are, abortion, racism, economy, COVID, immigration, all color your perceptions. It's no wonder to me how half of the country voted for Trump and the other larger half voted for Biden. It has to do with what's important to you and how you value things. With all these various factors affecting perception, it's quite amazing to me that any two people ever perceive the same thing. So understanding all the variance in perception makes it easy to see that there's multiple perceptions possible, which takes black and white, right and wrong, a whole lot harder to define. Our world is more like 50 shades of gray with a whole menu of possible right answers. In the field of diversity, or difference, deciding that your way is the right way, the only way, the righteous way, closes off communication and learning. People who are closed in this way don't think there's anything they need to learn because they already know. They know the answers, and those answers are steeped in isms. The only way to be sure you know everything in diversity is to have preconceived ideas, biases, and stereotypes that can't be right all the time. There's so much to learn about people and difference. I wrote a book about diversity and do a lot of diversity training, which is a passion of mine. I love doing it, but I always open with a qualifier. I tell people that I don't consider myself to be an expert in diversity, and I would be suspect of anyone who did. There's no way anyone can be an expert in all things different. 
What I do consider myself is an expert in being able to facilitate honest, courageous, safe conversations. The most important trait of a facilitator in this area is the ability to hold a space for everyone's opinions to be heard and to have a curiosity about others and a desire to try to see things their way. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to agree with them, but you want to do your best to walk in their shoes, in their skin, and look at the world through their eyes and be able to say, I don't see things the way you do, but when I hear what you're saying, I understand why you think that way. It's a beautiful thing when that can happen. You aren't villainizing each other then, you're humanizing each other. If I had lived your life, I'd probably think the way you do, but I didn't. I lived my life, so I have a different viewpoint, different filters, different ways of seeing the world. That doesn't make one of us right and the other wrong. No, it just makes us different. When you're able to hold space for there to be more than one right way, then us having different perceptions, values, and beliefs is really okay. I can stand in my truth without feeling the need to talk you out of yours. That can be beautiful. If I have two people interested in reconciling differences, either in a relationship, in the workplace, or in the streets, they often begin in conflict, which is the first step of the diversity staircase. People realize there's a problem when they experience conflict. No one likes conflict. It doesn't feel good to have conflict in your life. What people often do to reduce conflict is point blame at the other person. If we're having a conflict, it must be your fault because I know I'm right. While you're thinking that, the other person is thinking the same about you. See, already you have something in common. When two people in conflict come to see me or are sent to me to resolve the conflict, that's a good sign. They're looking for a solution. As the facilitator of this process, I can see to the top of the steps and would love to help them jump to the top, but stairs need to be taken one by one to be safe. The next step up from conflict is tolerance. Can the two of you decide to tolerate each other? This is not the best place to be, but it is one step up from conflict, so it at least feels a little better. In conflict, the two people are trying to get the other person to see things their way. They don't respect the other person as having a legitimate viewpoint and want them to see the world the same way they do. They're engaging in behaviors to try to change the other person's mind so they can come to the truth, your truth, as you know it. This doesn't work because the more you try, the harder they dig in and the divide between you deepens and the conflict escalates. When you decide to move to toleration, you still believe the other person is wrong, but you've given up trying to change them. You've agreed to put up with their erroneous beliefs and subsequent behavior. For whatever reason, you want or need to be in contact with this person and you don't want to stay in conflict, so you step up one step to toleration. This isn't usually the goal for anyone. No one likes to be tolerated, but it is a bit better than conflict. I then ask if they'd be interested in exploring taking another step up that could begin to patch up the relationship between them. Some people will be satisfied staying in tolerance. 
They aren't fighting anymore, so that's good enough for them. However, for most people, toleration isn't their pinnacle of success, so they're willing to take another step. The next step brings people to acceptance. Acceptance is a beautiful place to be because you realize that it's okay for two people to disagree. They can still like one another. In acceptance, you stop seeing the other person as wrong. You realize you're just different from one another and that's all right. There's no need to change the person, nor is there any need to judge them as wrong. Acceptance frees you in a way. When you're working so hard to change another person's way of being, you're not likely to be successful. Putting your time, energy, and attention to a futile effort can be exhausting and frustrating. Letting go of trying to change something that doesn't want to be changed can be quite liberating. Most people are satisfied to stay and hang out in acceptance, and it's true that it's a beautiful place to be. However, I always was considered a bit of an overachiever. I like people to know that there's one more step if they dare to take it. This step requires a bit of work, but has large payoffs if you're willing to do that work. I invite people to take another step if they want to. The final step is appreciation. Whoa, appreciate? Are you kidding me? Nope, I really mean it. It's a bit of an existential exercise, but I believe that all things in life are equally balanced. I base this on the periodic table of elements. Every element in our naturally occurring world has equal positive and negative value, the same number of protons as electrons. Our life experiences are also equally balanced with positive and negative. The challenge is to seek out the positive because the negative is so readily apparent thanks to our brains being hardwired for negativity. The conflict is the negative part. So when you're standing in appreciation, the conflict is the painful part. So when you're standing in appreciation, the question to ask yourself is, how did this conflict serve me? A simple example would be a couple with different financial beliefs and behaviors. One is a saver, the other is a spender, and they've been in conflict throughout most of their relationship. By the time they work their way to appreciation and intentionally look for the good in the conflict, what they discover is that the saver has learned how to be more spontaneous and free from the spender. And the spender has learned responsibility and restraint from the saver. Typically, the appreciation comes in the form of glow, gifts, lessons, opportunities, and wisdom. Run through those options to see the benefits for you that were inherent in that conflict. This is a powerful position. Not everyone gets to this place, but its benefits are apparent when you get there. Naturally, you want to move there together, but that doesn't always happen. Sometimes one person is ready to ascend that stairway and the other person is stuck, either in conflict or toleration. It's sad when this happens, but sometimes you have to leave the other person behind while climbing the stairway yourself. You can heal from the inside out by moving through these stages, even if the other person is stuck. It isn't your job to unstick them. Sometimes you can show them the way by going first, but don't try to pull them along with you. When you do, it can result in them digging in deeper or taking a step backward down the stairway. Sometimes this diversity journey is lonely, but I have found that as you take your walk to appreciation, 
there will be new friends waiting for you in that place who already appreciate you the moment you arrive. If you're interested in diversity training or coaching, either for yourself, your agency, or company, check out allianceofchicagotrainers.com. We have a team of skilled facilitators who can help you talk about difference in a safe and brave way, develop the space for multiple viewpoints, and as people are ready, walk that stairway toward appreciation. You just finished listening to an episode on the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave me a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at the Relationship Center on Instagram or Facebook. I hope you'll join me next week when I'll be breaking down the concept of privilege for those of you interested in understanding it better. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.